Support for Class Dismissed comes from School Status. School Status helps educators at every level take control of student data for increased outcomes and meaningful stakeholder engagement. Find out more at schoolstatus.com. You are listening to Class Dismissed, episode 215, and I'm your host, Nick Wartigo. This week, what is managing up and how can you get better at it? Stay with us. Dismissed is the podcast that inspires educators through story. Each week, we cover some of the hottest topics and news in the world of education. Plus, we hear from a guest with a bright idea for education that you can apply in your community. This week, our guest is an education thought leader who has spoken all over the world on the importance of social emotional learning. And today, we'll be discussing that as well as what we can do about the well being of educators. Nick Ortigo here, and I'm joined by friend, director of curriculum and instruction, and co-host Christina Pollard. Christina, have you tried out the Wordle yet? Are you, do you know what I'm talking about when I say Wordle? I do know what you're talking about. I haven't tried it out. And what's funny that you mentioned that today, I've been in a training all day with all of our counselors across the district, and we were talking about fun activities to do to build vocabulary, mm-hmm. and someone mentioned Wordle. Yep, and that's exactly where I'm going with it. It, it is apparently... Okay, so, so for somebody who doesn't know what we're talking about, let me reset a little bit. Wordle is a game that was created where I think the best way to describe it, it's kind of like a combination of Wheel of Fortune and Scrabble. Uh, but, what, ah. but what makes it unique is there's one word that you have to solve in this puzzle every day, and everyone in the world is solving the same word. So it's kind of like you're all playing the exact same game each day and then a new game comes out the next day. What did you hear about it? I just heard that it's completely fun. I know that there's a ton of adults that are hooked on it and they're sharing their scores and they're competing against one another. I've been told that it's a stress reliever, that it's like, you know, makes you really think deeply. Um, And so I guess I better find time to, to try it. Yeah, I mean, it's fun. I'm not... I'm horrible at Wheel of Fortune, for example. Like, this is not something I'm that strong at. I probably should play it to get stronger at it. (laughs) Too many historical Uh, facts. Yeah. And then Leslie, my wife, she's very good at it. So, like, I've played kind of, like, over her shoulder and try to, like, help her solve it a few times. And it is fun. It's a very clever game. She should put a video together for folks like us to kind of show us what to do. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the New York Times just bought this, whoever developed the the application, the game, uh, the New York Times actually, like, bought it. So, uh, it's kind of the buzz thing right now. Um, There's an article I'll link to in our show notes on edweek.org, where it's basically a collection of tweets from teachers. Um, But there's some kind of in-depth, like, math talk and, like, using math um, to solve the puzzle, I guess. And so if you're looking for ways to kind of apply it in class more than just even, you know, let's solve this with my students, there may be some more in-depth stuff. So check that link out. And, uh, All right. Cool. Yeah. So uh, today I wanted to talk about a an interesting topic that I don't know that we've really touched on too much, and it's called managing up. Are you familiar with the term? 
I am not. Okay, so like managing up, I, I we used to use this a lot in the newsroom, um, so it really applies to everywhere. But it's the idea of like a, let's just say a principal managing up to whoever their supervisor is, whether that's the superintendent or, or someone in between the director of curriculum or, or whatever. And um, you could say the same thing for a teacher managing up to a principal. So it's the idea of trying to create change in a and maybe a delicate way or maybe steer things the way that you want to but you're not the boss there's this article in edutopia and it's jen david lang and a consultant slash author donna spangler and they kind of give some tips on how you can manage up with your supervisor like for example i'll throw one at you um it says ask like first phrase everything as a question as you go to approach like say you have this idea um kind of approach it as a question like how do you think things are going uh, with the the new block system that we have right and that might be a horrible example but no that's a good example yeah so so you just kind of you may have problems with it but rather than saying i really have a problem with the way this is set up it's more like you kind of approach it as a question you kind of agree with that technique so managing up gives you an opportunity to be positive in the process of problem solving or being solution driven Right. And it also kind of is a way to approach somebody who kind of maybe is in that position of power and Mm -hmm. not be abrasive, I guess. Um, Can that be manipulative? (laughs) I mean, I think I think these are, you know, I mean, let's be honest, there there is a little bit of manipulation happening here. But I also think you could call it diplomatic, um, you know, and and it also depends on the environment, the safe space that you're in, because if that has been created within your organization, a positive approach is is necessary. And then that that freeway of um, debate, discussion, unpeeling is, you know, so much more productive versus um, a very unsafe environment where people are afraid to share mm-hmm. their ideas or their opinions. And then it's, it's not really manipulative, but you're trying your best to approach a rigid person or someone who doesn't necessarily take um, suggestions or ideas from the team and trying to, you know, draw some discussion from it. So, mm-hmm. yes, I think it's a good approach. I did not know that it had it was coined with a term, mm-hmm. um, but I think we do that in, in our school district, um, especially in our administrative meetings. And every now and then we get off track and things are not stated in a way where it's, where it's well received from the other party. Right. And so maybe that's something that we need to, you know, revisit and just understand that term and what it could mean. Right. Just as a part of the norms of a core leadership meeting or, um, you know, a, a school leadership meeting or even a committee meeting within a school. Mm-hmm. No doubt. And, and and I think you're kind of segueing into their next tip, which was called differentiate. Um, and it says, quote, a big part of managing up involves adjusting to your supervisor's leadership or work style. Uh, some leaders prefer brevity. Some want to see a detailed plan mapped out and some want to be an active part of the solution. So it's, in other words, identify your your leader and see if they're the type of person that you, you know, you bring the idea to them while you're walking down the hall. Or is this somebody you need to say, hey, I, I need to have a meeting with you and you come in prepared uh-huh. and you actually have all this stuff laid out. So you got to know that person. Absolutely. And you just gave me an idea. I need to make sure that I have a link to that article. That would be something awesome to share with assistant principals and teacher leaders. Yeah, yeah, I will. And I'll link it to in the show notes as well. Um, Micromanager is another topic tip from them. It says negotiate boundaries and agreements. Uh, Wait, let me start over. It says negotiate boundaries and agreements on who does what, explain your preferred plan, and ask for the manager's approach. Gain trust by sending regular updates and delivering results. So in other words, it's just like what you're trying to do is is, say you get approval for your plan. 
let them know how it's going, you know, give them that constant feedback along the way. Don't just run with it and not give, let them know what's going on. And that will build trust, which maybe eventually will allow your wings to be clipped. And then in the event that it's someone who, you know, absolutely is not a micromanager, they'll let you know out the gate, hey, you don't have to keep emailing me. This Our next meeting is on this date, and this is the date that I want you to, you know, bring it back to me. But someone like me, I'm not necessarily a micromanager, but because I answer to several higher ups and I'm mm-hmm. over so many things, I have to keep track and know what's what and be able to report out in our district leadership meeting, which is literally every other week. So I can't go longer than two weeks have without having an update from, you know, anyone on my team. Yeah. You probably don't like your supervisor say, how that, how's that thing going? And you're like, and I can't respond to it. Yeah. That's not cool. That will not happen to me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The next one is like, let's say your supervisor might be a little indecisive uh, about a topic. So kind of, you know, measure that boss's reservations and worries, and then like try to clarify different options and obstacles, like let maybe do a pros and a cons list and, and draft that out with your whole plan to move forward. If you have a, okay. a person like that, um, you've also got the, uh, what they call like an all knowing type boss. Uh, they say approach this person. It's the type of leader who needs to be heard and understood before being redirected. I, I had a boss, like I would come in with something and he, I would get like, you know, pull back when I was in radio, this is how we did it. And I'd, I would just let it roll for like a good, like 30 minutes, you know, and then I'd say, all right, you know, and then you kind of present your proposal indirectly using words like maybe and perhaps. And um, I was wondering, rather than doing it like you did in radio, maybe we should try this approach, you know, so kind of know how to play that all knowing manager a little bit. Yeah, got to have a strategy. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And then um, one, this is probably the most important thing, in my opinion, is when somebody you don't want to appear like you're a problem spotter, you want to be a problem solver. So it's important to pitch in, like offer to, you know, create and actually do and practice the solution. Otherwise, you just kind of, I don't know, have you ever had somebody that worked for you that would say, you know, we need to fix this and we need to fix that. We need to fix this. And next thing you know, like you're taking on all their ideas and tasks and it's like, who works for who here? Well, yes. Um, I don't know if anyone's ever just manifested in that fashion because I always taught my team that if you come to me with a problem, Mm -hmm. whether it's one you foresee or one you're experiencing, then you also have to come to me with at least three solutions, three credible solutions. And it may not be the decision that, you know, I end up going with if it's an executive decision. Um, And if not, then it might be three solutions that will bring back to the leadership team to hash out. But you can't just come to me and complain. I like that. And so, again, if you were managing up or if I was managing up to Christina, I certainly would come with my solutions and come ready. And that's really what this is all about. So, like, how do you approach that boss and and be ready? But you got to know your you got to know your people. And and Mm -hmm. luckily, I've 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 had a wonderful time getting to know my superintendent um, a little more uh, deeply as I've worked working now at the central office level. But I love that I can present ideas to her. I can talk to her. She's very approachable. But at the same time, you better have your data and you better know your facts and have your evidence in order because you don't ever want to present something to her without everything that she needs to know, especially if you want approval for something. Are you like me where, you know, as I get older, I create more knowledge and wisdom, like things like this, how to approach people better. And then I reflect on maybe Mm -hmm. my tone and approach when I was in my 20s and I cringe. Do do you get like that? I, I do. And to be honest with you, over the last year, um, really the last calendar year, I really feel like I've been through 
no a better word for me to say than a metamorphosis. And when I look back over the years and some of my experiences and how I handled them or how they impacted me, I really have matured and come a long way. Also, life experiences oftentimes impact, you know, how mm-hmm. we operate within the work environment. And I do think that I'm in a different place in my life and I look at things differently. I'm a little slower to make decisions. I listen um, a lot better mm-hmm. and I handle stress differently also because stress can take you out. And if you don't have an outlet, if you don't have a confidant, if you don't have a therapist, if you don't have a journal, if you don't have some way to de-stress or to work through the things that keep you up at night, then it will impact your work relationships. It'll impact how you operate in the building. It'll impact how you interact with your family at home. And I am just so grateful for, you know, the evolving that I've done. And I share my testimony Mm -hmm. and my mistakes and my flaws with, you know, novice administrators and teachers or anyone else um, that might be going through or feeling overwhelmed, I share with them some of the things that I've been through and some of the mistakes that I've made. Because oftentimes people meet me and they think, oh, she's just got it all together. She's this, she's that, and the other. And I am quick to tell them, honey, I've arrived here. This this is not how I've been. Like, and and I'm still every day hoping that I continue to evolve and grow. And that's why I love our podcast so much because I feel like you and I learn and grow from each other. Right, absolutely. And and I think the idea of being able to reflect and see that you've grown is, I mean, that's part of being mature. And that's, that's a win. Like you could look at it as a negative, like, oh, I, I used to be this and now I'm this. But no, like, that's part of growing is just mm-hmm. having that awareness. Um, I mean, you, you mentioned something about stress. How do you not sweat the small stuff? How do you like go home at night? And you've got, I would say, like, you know, 10 little conflicts, small little tiny conflicts that you're you're actively managing. How do you turn that off so when you wake up at three in the morning, they're not on the forefront of your mind? And I think that's where I have evolved the most. I've, I'm a, I'll just be completely honest. I'm an overachiever. I'm obsessive compulsive. I'm extremely organized. I'm a, a problem solver before the problem arrives. And what I had to learn about myself is that when I get in my car and I leave my school or school district, mm-hmm. I have to leave that behind because you can only control what you can control and completely dedicate myself to um, changing my thought process as I drive home so that I can be present for my family. And I made that mistake for so many years as a building level principal. I brought all of the kids problems, all of the teachers problems, the budget problems, the accountability concerns. Mm -hmm. You know, I brought everything home and it literally deteriorated me. And so I was an unhappy person, although I felt incredibly blessed personally and professionally, it wore me out into a point where I really think I had a, I had what I guess you could call as a breaking point where it was Christina, get it together. Everybody doesn't think like you. Everybody doesn't operate like you. You know, everyone has their strengths, their weaknesses, and so do you. And then I had to value myself for exactly who I am and how I am and not worry about what other people think of me. What other people think of me is no longer my business. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time to realize that. And I think that comes from the great burden of being a first-generation college graduate and everyone having such high expectations of me and myself constantly feeling like, you know, am I doing enough? Am I representing the family well enough? Am I serving in my building well enough? And am I making my superintendent proud? 
Well, now I don't worry about that. Am I serving kids? Am I giving teachers what they need? Then I go home proud. And then you serve yourself too, right? Like you gotta, you gotta mm-hmm. you take care of yourself at the, at the beginning, uh, at the end of the day. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I used to always, when I was in a very stressful position, I, it was the same time that president Obama was president. And I, I thought like, here's a guy who's got all the weight of the world on his shoulders. And then I would see like video of him at his like kids soccer games. And he looks super chill right like he's like clapping mm-hmm. and, and chatting with people and i'm like how do i get there how do i get super chill at my kids soccer game because i'm still thinking about work and yep. and like you said you know you, you take it home with you so i think it's a you know some people maybe can do it easier than others but it is a skill to learn how to, to let it go well it happens at everyone's personal time it, we just all evolve at different cycles and so i'm just grateful for where i am i've you know asked and prayed and asked forgiveness for any anybody that I've ever offended or frustrated um, through my own personal uh, battles. And then I just move forward. I've forgiven myself and I've forgiven other people for things that, you know, they've done too. And I think forgiveness is a key part of how you can let things go. You just can't carry it on. It already happened. You can't change it. You're going to lose out on a wonderful moment in your life worrying about something that was done or said yesterday. I love it. Great advice. Uh, Good conversation. Christina, are you ready for today's Bright Idea? I can't wait. All right. Our guest in today's Bright Idea segment is an education thought leader who has spoken all over the world on the importance of social, emotional learning and the power of music education. Nadine Levitt is also the founder and CEO of Worley EDU and the PD Reimagined Initiative. Nadine, welcome to Class Dismissed. Thank you so much for having me. Social emotional learning is it's something that I think is coming out of our mouths more and more often every day and really has been through the entire pandemic, but it was really building before the pandemic. Um, it's something that we say, but I think, or at least I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I don't know that everyone has the same vision of what it is. So I want to start at 30,000 feet and you tell me like, what is social emotional learning to you? That's a really good question. So social emotional, and you're right, by the way, people, I don't think everyone has a shared uh, vision for what it is. I, for me, social and emotional learning, I think there's a foundational, there are certain foundational skills that you need to know in order to foster a healthy and a happy life. Those skills are things like, uh, because, and, and I, and I just want to backtrack a second. It's because before we are students or teachers or school leaders or parents, we're actually human beings with emotions mm-hmm. and needs. And so we have to learn how to manage and process those emotions and, um, and create plans so that we have our needs met. So those are the sort of foundational pieces to this. So that skills like, for example, uh, emotional identification. So understanding, uh, being able to identify and acknowledge your emotions, being able to process and manage your emotions and understand how they work. Uh, and that will then tie to relationship building, uh, responsible decision making. Uh, it also has a lot to do with self-awareness. Mm-hmm. So understanding what makes you tick because your emotions can hijack you in a really big way. So if you can have a healthy response to your emotions, I think it is the first step to uh, being able to achieve any of those other sort of skills. Self-awareness is first and then social awareness comes second, uh, how you fit in with others. And that again, ties to relationships, connection to people. Um, and then you have uh, skills like planning. How do you set goals and how do you plan? How do you collaborate with people? How do you, uh, 
you know, goal set basically. And that's, those are, those are all part of social and emotional learning for me. Is the skill of social emotional learning, is it something that we're doing right in the classroom or do we need a lot of improvement on in your opinion? I know that's kind of a big, broad question. Well, it depends on which classroom, right? right. <laughs> um, generally, no. It's very interesting. I see it in the music classroom a lot because um, a lot of music teachers will say, well, my kids, are by, because they're doing music, there's also some social and emotional learning happening. And I mean, yes, there's some social and emotional skills being developed, but unless you're purposefully sort of signposting it, I don't think it's actually effective. And you can't really call it social and emotional learning if you're not signposting it. Um I do think that there are some really great programs and, and a lot of schools have really gone gone a long way to teach about social and emotional learning. Mm-hmm. And there are some great programs, but it's very, you know, there's a, a lot of distance between different classrooms and different settings. In my opinion, it would be great if we could start a little younger and really start with that first step of how do we identify and acknowledge and direct our emotions and do it in a way that's both simple and empowering. I mean, do you think educators should be overt about it and be like, hey, kids, today we're going to learn about SEL? Like, is it that or should it be no, more just... I, yeah, I don't think it needs... Sorry, sorry I, I, I don't think it needs to be insular. I think it can be, but it has to be signposted. So an example would be, so if we were in a music class and I said, okay, we're just going to, we're going to learn the song. But in your head, if you're not um, set out to be a musician and you don't really have your heart set on being a professional musician in your life, then that goes into the not important right now pile. And it's going to be really hard for you to access anything that you learned in that in that setting. But if I said to you, hey, we're going to learn the song, but this is just problem solving 101. So what do we do when we're problem solving? We recognize patterns. We create, uh, we uh, break it down into bite-sized chunks. We recognize patterns. We create a schedule for ourselves. We check in with ourselves as to how we're doing and adjust accordingly. Right. So this is basic problem solving. So you're you're signposting it for people though. So that you're in the moment saying this is why it matters. Mm-hmm. And so same with social and emotional learning. When it's just insular, I think it goes into a meaningless state for a lot of people because they can't see that it would ever mean anything in their real life. When you do it in context of something else that you're doing or you attach it to something in your real life, then it becomes meaningful. Right. And and you're you're a busy person. You've got several irons in the fire, um, one of which, uh, and you were mentioning music, is Whirly EDU. Um, I've, I've checked out the app, Whirly, and I think there's more to it even in terms of like curriculum and stuff you guys build in on the backside, but it's really slick. I mean, you can go on there, and I'm going to let you explain it better than me, but basically it's it's more than karaoke because I think you kind of can work and sing a song, and it builds like the whole lyrics with it, but you can also control the the key that it songs in and so forth. Am I explaining this well? (laughs) Yeah, no, you're doing a good. (laughs) So it started, uh, yeah, we started with Whirly, which was sort of for lack of a better description, um, uh, sort of karaoke on steroids concept. And that was an app that, yes, allowed you to change key speed um, and instrumentation before recording yourself, adding sort of cool filters and then sharing it. Um, That was then... I, I noticed that was being used in a lot of schools because mm-hmm. if you're a, a girl singing a guy's song, it's often always, often always, God, that's great grammar. <laughs> it's always in the wrong key. And uh, if you are 
uh, first learning a song, it's often helpful to slow it down. So those are sort of the use cases that we started seeing schools using early um, for. And then uh, I saw this opportunity, and in part it was actually linked to all the social and emotional learning because I think that all over the world, if I ask people who here loves music, everyone puts their hands up. Everyone says, yes, absolutely. But then when I say who here loves music education, suddenly all the hands go down. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand that disconnect. And I think, uh, you know, we must be doing it wrong because if we can't take these kids who are clearly passionate about a subject and sharing music and talking about it outside of the classroom and we can't teach them something. Right. That's a really valid point. You know, we must be doing it wrong. And so I think, I think we don't teach math to be a mathematician or science to be a scientist or English to be a writer. I don't think we should be teaching music to be a musician from the outset. I think it sets us up for failure. So so now you've taken this Whirly platform, I guess, and I mean, you are working with schools directly and kind of building curriculum using some of these tools. Is that correct? Yeah, we, ha- we have some amazing partners uh, and uh, both content partners like 1500 Sound Academy, for example, is a really a great example of this. So we um, have a partnership with the, the Grammy Award winning um, producers and so- singer songwriters, and they have this amazing school uh, that allows uh, people to go and become in- sound engineers or there's artist branding and music business and those kinds of courses available for actually adults. And we've taken those curriculums together and made them something that schools can digest. And so it's something that can start as young as middle school, but you can try on these careers. And it's very meaningful for people because, you know, the normal trajectory of, of schools is you go through school and then at the end of school, you think, okay, now what do I really want to do? Well, now we're pushing forward and saying when you're already in middle school, hey, why don't you try a few of these things and make it a little bit more real life mm-hmm. and it's it's also an equity issue because you know not everyone can afford at the end of 12th grade to then go oh what do i really want to do let's play around with a few different skills and see what i like right well uh another project and important initiative i should say that that you're working on is pd reimagined and and this is kind of ties back to something that we talk about a lot on the class dismiss podcast and that's just like the concern we have for recruitment of new teachers and retention of existing teachers. And and I think right at the turn of the year, we did an episode where somebody was predicting what 2022 is going to look like. And one of the predictions was there will be a mass exodus of teachers that will then only compound into another exodus of teachers for 2023. So it's frightening, right? Like we hope that doesn't happen. But let's get to maybe why it's happening, besides the obvious reasons that we're in this pandemic and and it's hard and um, we're trying to do more with less. But uh, I was looking at PD Reimagine that you're working with, and I guess you guys must see like we need to inspire teachers, not just kids. Is that right? Yeah, it's uh, it's I think a really scary stat, um, and it's a it's a very scary cycle that we're seeing of teachers leaving and and not feeling supported, not feeling heard, not feeling valued. Uh, and I liken it a little bit to the military. So I don't think that the, the, that we can just answer this with more money, paying teachers more, um, or giving them more, more autonomy either. Because I think a lot of people I've heard is, you know, they say, well, they're so underpaid. And then, it, you know, they work within these structures that are just, they can't choose their own curriculum and so on and so forth. So there's no ownership. I don't think it's just that. Because when you look at the military, which has 
uh, you know, it's a very hard job physically, mentally, you're away from your family. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty low pay for the risk, uh, risk reward game. Right. Right. Um, but it's a very, very honorable job incredibly honorable. So like there's so much gratitude from the entire population to every single person who goes and serves their country. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and I think we could have just an ounce of that for teachers, because I do think I'm not saying it's as, it's as hard as going to war, uh, but I do think that these people are professional teachers are the professionals who are tending to the future thinkers. Right. So it's as, you know, in my opinion, you know, this is a, crucial part of the economy that we should be fostering and celebrating and honoring and trying to get the best possible people in those seats. Um, and inspiration has a lot to play in. So there's been, um, there was a, a, you know, a lot of uh, studies talking about what happens to our bodies when we're inspired and how inspiration itself can actually lead to mindset shifts. Because the part of your brain that's active when you're um, inspired is the same part of your brain that you need for your human survival. Uh, I'm blanking on the name now um, of uh, the TED talk that I saw. Uh, that's Imodino Yang. I hope I didn't totally... Um, uh, mispronounce her name, but Imodino Yang um, did a TED talk. I think it was 2008. Um, and she talked about exactly that, that what, here's what happens to your brain when you're inspired. And here's what it looks like when you're um, on uh, life support. Right. And that's the only part of your brain that has to be active. Literally, if you're on life support and that part of your brain's not active, your entire body still shuts down. You can't, you can't keep somebody alive. And so what's interesting with inspiration is if we can, you know, through storytelling, invite these teachers in and say, we hear you, we celebrate you, we value you, and you're not in this alone. We're in this together. And it can be fun. This can be a fun journey where, you know, it's about authentic curiosity. It's, we're not going to have you sit down and, and hear one more thing that you should be doing for your students. We're going to talk about how to put your own oxygen mask on first. Well, and so that, I like the way you say that. And the website is pdreimagined.com. So like if I'm a teacher and I and I jump over there and I go to sign up, like what am I signing up for exactly? Uh, so you'd sign up and it's free to uh, be a part of this because we've had amazing partners like Nickelodeon and Worldly EDU also as uh, sponsors. And um, so it's free to participate. And uh, every month you would get a gift box and that's where the storytelling starts. Every month has a different theme. And in the box, it's, it's going to be uh, a few different products that are super innovative and, and very interesting. The idea is really that you use one of these products and your friends are going to say, whoa, what is that? Where'd you get that from? That's cool. You know, so it's not going to be a mug or socks because <laughs> right. we have enough of those. Um, and, and then uh, when uh, later on in the month, we have a virtual summit and you get to attend and it's going to be thought leaders from all around the world talking about inspirational sort of their inspirational stories and then we tie it back to what it means for you as a teacher so we translate it for you and say here's sort of some some themes that we covered and here's how it might translate for you and then they go into peer working groups and they start to they come up with one concept one strategy that might help them uh, help refuel them in their day based on the themes that they just heard uh, and then we come back and we share it 
Um, and that's it. And they get micro credentials for coming and being a part of this. Um, uh, at the end of it, they, they get an NFT with oh, really? their micro credentials in it. So it's all, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so PD reimagined, I mean, it, what's wrong with PD now? Well, it's funny because uh, even just the name PD Reimagined, we had a couple of teachers saying to us that it was off-putting at first having the words PD in there because they just they said the last thing I need now is more PD, and I said that's that's amazing. So we're gonna ho- we we may end up um, renaming it. Although I would like to just shift what PD means for people, right? Um, and I think that's a nice way to do it too. But I think a lot of PD is. Um, just ineffective in the sense that it's often one and done and it's just not in context. And I think the same way that we holistically look at education and at Well EDU, I, I want to view education from the same view with PD Reimagined, which is, you know, we have to come from a human first element because there are so many, so many things that link student outcomes to out outlook on, you know, teachers, teachers outlook, their stress levels, their mental health and wellness. Um, they're at absolute, those two are absolutely linked. Um, so we can put up on uh, your podcast, by the way, I can share some of those statistics with you guys. Well, is, is PD reimagined? Is it underway? Like are the monthly virtual yeah. summits already started? Yeah, we just started our pilot. Uh, and we're taking applications for the next year already. Um, so you just go to pdreimagine.com, but the pilot's totally full, so you can't attend that anymore. Um, so it's just for the next, uh, the upcoming year in September. Okay. So tell me then, the like, what's a takeaway? What's a virtual summit? I don't know if you want to call them keynote speaker or whatever that um, you guys offered up that you just felt was awesome and hit all the right marks. Uh, so we, we, we only have, we've only had one and I can't tell you who all the speakers are yet because they're a surprise. And okay. so there are lots of, um, sweepstake prizes and whatnot. Um, but it's everything from, um, sort of the themes that we're covering, uh, resilience is one of them. So we had Kath Cashel, um, speak at our first summit and she is an Australian cricketer who broke her back not once, but twice and oh, had wow. to re- relearn how to walk. Um, and in her time in rehab, part of her sort of journey there was she, she tried to make meaning of what was happening to her. And so she, when she fell in love with somebody else in rehab, she figured, well, maybe this is why this happened to me. And, um, and I, you know, met the person in my dreams and we're all in love. And then literally the day before they're about to leave rehab, he commits suicide. Oh my goodness. So it's about how to find how to not how to, how to pick yourself up when there is no ground and um how to uh she really leaned on her uh, on her values system because so she really believed in kindness and she ended up not only just surviving but thriving and she has uh something called the kindness factory now and they have registered over i think it's uh f- i'm going to say 5 million acts of kindness i may have that wrong um but it's an incredible story and uh, so that was one that we shared uh, with teachers last month. And this month we have an amazing couple who everyone will know, no doubt, um, who's in people's living room uh, often. So um, they are going to be talking about uh, the power of curiosity and wonder. 
I don't think I said it earlier. The uh, Worley, the website is worleyedu.com, and that's W-U-R-R-L-Y-E-D-U.com. And um, again, over on the other side, it's pdreimagined.com. Now, look, I totally forgot to tell you this off the top of the show, and and for anybody who listens to us on a on a weekly by weekly basis, they probably know that we always have a pop quiz with all of our guests. What you don't know is I usually tell our guests before, like, hey, there's going to be a pop quiz, and I'm going to say, are you ready for the pop quiz? And it comes up at the end after we're done chatting um but i didn't give you a heads up on that so you were really having a pop quiz right here like are are, are you ready for our pop quiz i am ready for your I pop did, quiz i never actually asked permission to to do it but uh, i appreciate you playing along <laughs> all right first question if students could only go to school for one subject which subject should it be social emotional learning what are we not teaching in school that we should be teaching it's almost the same answer. Right. That, that happens <laughs> Social sometimes. Social emotional learning. Um, what does every child deserve? Love. What's the biggest challenge for today's educators? Ooh. Um, hmm. Support and inspiration. What's the best gift to give an educator? PD Reimagine membership. <laughs> Which teacher changed your life? I have a couple teachers, but I think the one that I really share the story of often is Bill Cook. Bill Cook was my teacher when I was 10 years old, and I had moved from Germany to New Zealand when I was eight. So I was still struggling with English, how to sort of um, really with my grammar and so forth. And he really took me under his wing and helped me with my English. He really made me believe because I was being sort of teased for being different um, and occasionally he'd have to walk me home from school because um, I was scared I was going to get beaten up <laughs> and um, he really made me believe that he would that my curiosity was a good thing and that my difference and my me being different to everybody was um, sort of like a superhero trait and a superpower and I think you know, I am so much who I am today because he saw something in me that I didn't see in me. Right. And I truly, you know, I'm so grateful um, for having had him as a teacher. He later um, actually had a, a, a bit of a breakdown. He ended up um, a few years ago, he was delivering post um, to my parents. Mm -hmm. And so that's, so he'd become a mailman um, and, and had left the teaching profession completely. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with being a mailman. I, I think that's also an amazing job. But it's it's just I was so sad to hear that he felt like he had no support at school. Right. And uh, and I was also sad to hear that he'd left because there were probably other kids who would have benefited so much from his kindness and from his nurturing. Um, and so I wonder sometimes if he'd had more support or if he'd had something like PD Reimagined, would he still be a teacher and would right. other kids still have his support? That's quite the testimony. Have you ever been able to go back and tell him what you just said, which was just like amazing? Thank you. <laughs> uh, no, I literally was just, I, I just said to uh, my mom, I said, I'd love to find out where he is and and connect with him when I'm in New Zealand. So I'm going back to New Zealand in April. So yeah. I'm going to try and hunt him down I mean, like in a non, non stalker way. <laughs> right. But that would be pretty cool if you caught up with him. And, you know, just really just, you know, so many times, you know, when we ask people what's the best gift to give an educator, often the answer is like, thank you. 
And like, yeah, so I think that would be the ultimate gift is for you to basically mm-hmm. tell him that story. That's really, really neat. Um, yeah, there was a great, there was a great video. I don't know if you've seen it, but it was a great video of Adele. Um, she was I in did, a, I saw that. In, yeah, in the audience, uh, Emma Thompson asked her about the, her middle school teacher. Yeah, I had um, a teacher at Chestnut Grove who taught me English. That was Miss McDonald. She got me really into literature. Like, I've always been obsessed with English and obviously now I write lyrics. But she also did street dance. She was so bloody cool. So engaging and like she really made us care and we knew that she cared about us and stuff like that and it was just she used to have all these gold bracelets on and gold like sig rings and I don't know she was bloody cool yeah and so relatable and likable that I really looked forward to my English lessons and, and she yeah go ahead was there no way oh my god I'm so proud of you when the teacher actually stood up and they were reconnected and instantly you saw Adele turn back into that middle school teach, uh, middle school student. Um, it was such a beautiful moment, so touching, so emotional. And I just, I just think we need more moments like that. Absolutely. Uh, and the last question in our pop quiz, which book did you read, love, and want to recommend to our listeners? You know, this is going to sound... Um, I actually, it's something I listen to and I, I think it's better. I read it and I listened to it, but I think the audible version is amazing. Um, and it's Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My wife read that. She really enjoyed it. I, I loved it. He recorded it. Him, so you actually hear him um, uh, read it. And uh, it's just got so much personality and it's so engaging. I couldn't put it down. Well, saying that, I mean, I'm, I think at the top before we started recording, you said you lived in Austin, Texas. Have you run into Matthew? Like, has he been jogging down the street and you, he says, you know? <laughs> Not yet, but that's Not a dream. Yet. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> All right. Well, good luck with that. Again, um, Nadine, I really appreciate all you're doing for educators out there. And uh, if anybody wants to catch up uh, and see uh, some of the links that we talked about, we'll have those in our show notes. Thank you for joining us on Class Dismissed. Yeah, thanks so much. And if anyone wants to get in touch with me, they can find me at, at Mrs. Worley. Perfect. That's on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere else? or Everywhere. Okay, excellent. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you again for having me. going to do it for this episode of Class Dismissed. If you want to send us an idea or comment, remember you can always email us at info at classdismissedpodcast.com or tweet us at classdismiss. We're here to support educators, but we need your support as well. So please subscribe to the show. And we'd also appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes. On behalf of all the good people working at School Status and Christina representing all those educators out there, thank you for listening. I'm Nick Ortigo, and I'll talk with you next week. Class Dismissed!